0: Hi, hi, sir. How are you? Good, Sai. How are you doing? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you very much for the uh, firstly uh, for accepting my invitation and accepting to be on my show.
1: It's my pleasure. So
0: uh, I thought to tell about uh, you and uh, the work that you are doing uh, to my audience. So can you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. This is uh, sir and uh, I'm in in tech industry, mainly software, for last uh, 26. 27 years, moved here to U.S. in 94, and uh, yeah, since then, I've been in, in tech industry. I've worked with a bunch of companies. Many of your uh, listeners might know that uh, Visa is very global name, Visa credit card company. Uh, I worked at McDonald's headquarters. Uh, that was my first job to write software for McDonald's Corporation for doing their marketing campaigns, and uh, then Visa. Then Commerce One, not a very familiar name, but a very big company here during dot-com days. And then after that, I joined uh, uh, PeopleSoft. From there, I went to EMC, which is a very purely tech company, and then VMware, another tech company, and then Rackspace, and then went back to Oracle. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I've been around and and I've served customers in many countries. and uh, hundreds of customers in ten plus countries. Actually, uh, I visited them over there and worked with them. Yeah.
0: So you are I, from I was, India.
1: Yes, I'm from India, from Punjab. I was born uh, and raised in a small village, and in, uh, in Punjab, uh, Jalandhar district. And I went to um, three colleges to finish till my masters, um, and. Um, I was pursuing my PhD in Chandigarh when uh, when I moved here. I didn't finish my PhD in economics. Actually, I'm not a CS major. Uh, that's another thing I tell um, uh, youngsters, that uh, I'm an economics major, but I've been writing software since 94. So you don't need degrees to write software.
0: So 20-plus years uh, you are into ID. So. Yes. What is software for you?
1: Software is a mechanism to build um, automation, to build systems, uh, to uncomplicate things, to digitize systems, taking the physicality away. Now we can ship the documents um, you know, at the speed of light to another country. We can move the money at the speed of light to another country. Uh, we can move the designs of, you know, where we are producing the parts of car or, or airplane. Um, we can design that collaboratively um, with people from all around the world. We can create music uh, collaboratively. We can find new artists uh, digitally, um, you know, so uh, it's it's all over the place. Um, the software for me is a way to create system systems and, um, Improve the abstractions uh, in this world. So it's all about abstractions.
0: So economics is something which is related to accounting and uh, calculations. So how that background help you in uh, uh, developing your skills?
1: Yeah, e- economics is a mainly study of scarce resources and you know unlimited needs and wants and desires. Um, so, how do you fit those resources into into um, uh, the meeting those needs, right? and And software is not not much different either, right? So um, we we try to apply the the means where we have the computing power, the storage, and the networks uh, uh, to the problems at hand, right? And then our goal is to make it more economical. Means like feasible, right? Um, that we're not running out of money. Uh, we're operating the systems, so economics plays a big role in that. Um, and another um, uh, thing, what we talked about yesterday briefly when we talked about. By the way, for your viewers, this is a funny story. Yesterday, we we started recording, and on side uh, side. <laughs> He was in his balcony recording. Maybe people are were sleeping. I don't know why, but he wanted to have a natural background. But a bunch of dogs came in India and then started barking, and then we stopped the recording. And we we covered this topic yesterday, so that's a funny note. Um, yeah. So economics plays a big big role, I think, um, uh, in in every facet of life. Um, I'm a systems thinker, and I always think like a family system. This room is a system. A body is a system. And the company's a system, right? And software systems are systems as well. And they have internal as well as well as external factors which impact the functioning of that system. So it helps um, us analyze the effects and all that. And we, we study that all in that, in, that in economics. When you study economics, most of the economists will tell you that the, the phrase they use other things being equal right? They'll say that. That's, that means we are making a lot of assumptions when we create solutions or theories, which we implement at some point. So, um, in software, we do the same thing. We make assumptions when we write software, like, okay, people will use it this way or that way. And then sometimes those assumptions are true, sometimes they're not. So, it, it's always the sort of balancing act of, you know, how much we want to build upfront or how much we want to tweak on the fly. Um, yep, economics plays a uh, big role. Uh, I was talking about everything in the system. So, that think some of that thinking I developed during my economics studies. Actually, I had econometrics as my uh, specialty uh, when I was pursuing my PhD. Um, even in the master's, I, I studied econometrics uh, extensively. That is mathematical economics, and um, that's what data science is based on these days where we talk about that a lot, right? So, yeah.
0: So you say everything is a system. Uh, everything that is uh, happening is a system. So information technology is, uh, is, is, is about communication. It can be communicating with machines or communicating with human beings. So you did that for a long time in your life so in different positions you were you were in vmware and you were in mcdonalds you building software so all these positions what that
1: taught you yeah that's a that's a loaded question that's a big and important question what it has taught me is several things amongst the main ones is that people are very important part of the of the whole equation, right? So it, peep, we still, um, and so, so sometimes we forget, we still build systems for people, right? We don't build systems for machines. We are not serving machines. Machines are supposed to serve us. And and many, I think, um, product designers um, in my world, we call them architects right? in software, uh, they tend to s- sort of, like um, forget that sometimes, right? So I think the study of humans, anthropology, the culture is important, like which culture you're deploying, what applications are, are you writing generic enough software for the whole world or are you letting those people in different countries tweak the software according to their culture, if you will? Um, there are so many languages in the world. Uh, we have been seeing that problem play out at Facebook in in big time. Um, there's um, they have to do the content moderation. Say so, like Facebook has to do that, right? So that the, the the toxic content is not on on their platform. But most of the people who started Facebook and also who work at Facebook here, they are from US, you know. And even if they are from India. They speak like maybe one or two languages. One, I'm sure, of course they do. Maybe two, one or two more languages than what, what their native languages. So it's it's content moderation is, is a huge problem, and there are some languages which are you know nobody's watching that what content is being put out there. So I think study of the the culture while well, building systems that is very important. And when I was when we actually did a big project in Germany. Um, We flew a team of 50 people to start this project at Siemens. Uh, They call it Siemens uh, headquarters, Um, Siemens building in Munich um, at the Munich airport. They have a big presence, big building there next to it. Um, They gave us training in German culture. I mean, that was an eye opener for me. That was in 2001 timeframe. Um, 20, 20, 21 years back, and it was an eye opening uh, opening experience for me. They showed us that if if you present some idea in a meeting in Germany and nobody says anything. And then the same thing happens in the US, you present an idea in a meeting and nobody says anything. Those two things mean totally mean different things. Uh, I was like, "What? what? What is that? They say if nobody says anything in Germany, that means they loved your idea, right? And if nobody said anything in in US, that means they doubt your idea, they don't like it. Because people in US, they're more um, conservative in their th- like um they, they're not they're not blunt. They won't tell you to your face or you suck or your system doesn't work. But in Germany, people are very blunt. So that was just one example I'm giving you from that sort of class, if you will. Um, And I'm glad we got that class because once we were rolling off that project and the way Germans were behaving with us, and if we didn't know that aspect, we would be so mad. Like, why are you saying these words to us? Like they were very harsh. Um, (laughs) They will say your system sucks, it doesn't work. But in in US, you don't talk like that in business uh, context, right? And, and and I worked in Brazil, in Israel, and some many other countries actually, Italy, and you name it, um, and UK, Ireland, and whatnot. Um, every culture is a little different, right? So um, different continents have different sort of bigger cultural uh, uh, norms. And within that continent, the countries, even within the country, the states have different cultures, right? So yeah, I think understanding people is very important to, when you're building systems. And it it some people are being naive when they think that they can build one system to serve the whole world. Um, and we are seeing the side side effects of that in the uh, shape of riots and people getting killed in Myanmar and in a lot of. Um, Mob lynching and stuff happening in parts of India due to uh, Facebook and what content people put out there and uh, yeah, I'll stop there. I can talk about this for hours.
0: So what will be your thinking when you see new or when you hear? Something that you didn't hear before, which means you're 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 ready for the change. You're experiencing something that you didn't experience before. So how will it be you ready for something that is completely new for you?
1: So how do you deal with the new things? That's what your yeah, question? Is. It can be yeah.
0: projects or it can be clients or it can be anything.
1: Yeah, dealing with the change. Yeah, that I think that um, in in this domain in, in high tech and in software um it, it's a, it comes with the territory it is constant change right so um you use after few years in it you know that it's going things are changing very quickly i mean even in real life even in, in the econo- in economics of the countries is changing the way we do business with the you know each other is changing so change is is the only constant how do you how do you how do i ad- adapt to it I actually learned from a lot of mentors, you know, like people who were ahead of me. I'll, I'll talk to you know, leaders in tech and sit with them and grab a lunch or coffee with them. I, I still do whenever I get a chance. Uh, and also on the flip side, I also sit with other people who want to pick my brain and uh, youngsters, they they want to use some of my time uh, for their mentorship, I do that, and I get mentorship from others. Um, so one time, uh, a, um, uh, NetApp exec, I, I spoke to him, and he said right, something very profound. He said, when we see the problems, right, that, that he was describing their culture in the company. He said, when we see the problems, we run towards the problem, not away from it. So." Yeah, things like that, learning things like that from people like when you see a problem, you have to run towards the problem so you can tackle it quickly rather than running away from the problem or or not moving at all. So um, it's uh, um, wisdom from others and of course you adapt with the changing circumstances and when you are single you're doing something different. You get married and your kids and you have responsibilities more responsibilities and <laughs> things change um yep yeah
0: so yeah so what uh how uh you are able to uh do so many projects uh you know which you didn't uh, uh did before i mean like just yeah. you gave answer for it but uh, every project is different from other so how you are able to do that
1: oh in the in the work context actually i was was talking the life context um normal journal life but in the work context actually i'm I'm very curious um you know it's a curiosity actually you you want to learn about other things right so when you're writing software in the in the beginning when when i started writing software the people who write the applications and people who who focus on the persistence layer, which is database? They were separate people now, these days they are becoming the same. Um, but um, earlier it was different DBAs and all that stuff. So, learning how DBAs work, and then also like always talking to them you know, what do you look for in the optimization and on the database side, and how do you uh, fine tune the SQL and all that stuff? You learn that, right. And then gradually you learn other things, you know, from people who are producing PRDs, product requirement documents, we used to call them, right? Like what needs to be built, and the strategy people. Um, and then gradually, because of having the economics um, degree, right? Uh, uh, I have studied economics. I as, as I told you, the masters, and I was even pursuing PhD in that. So having that mindset helped me. To gravitate towards more like business people as well, like like talking about ROI, returns so on an investment, and TCO, total cost of ownership, kind of concepts with the business people. So, I think that that helped me getting it, getting into different sort of facets of systems, if you will, and um, that curiosity. Actually, I usually say that once you are once you are a coder, you are a coder for life. You know, um, and you, not everybody can be a coder because some people find it very boring job and people who love it, they just forget to eat when they're coding. Like I was like that. So when I was coding um, and and I I was newly married here when I came here, when when I started my job, even before my job I started here, um, I would code at home because I was coding a little bit in India while I was working uh, in Chandigarh um, with a think tank, um, and it, it just I used to forget time, <laughs> you know. Like it's it, it, dinner time is like 8 p.m. Let's say, and then it's 9 p.m. and it's 10. And I'm still go like, oh, a few more minutes, few more minutes, and then it, it and then not even at night you're quoting till 3 a.m. Sometimes, um, so that uh, uh, it was my passion actually, if you will, and I just oh I. I'll always push, push the boundary, push, push, push. And um, one example, I always uh, one incident I always remember is what what actually what changed the trajectory. When I came to US, I still wanted to finish my PhD in economics. Right, this this software thing was just side thing, you know, like oh, some temporary money for some some time maybe. Um, but then when I was working at McDonald's headquarters with AT&T. Software engineers, very seasoned people, and part of our system was not performing well because it, the system, the, the front end, and the main engine was written on VB, Visual Basic, and the string processing was very slow and it was very data intensive stuff. Um, so, what I did was I went to Compute USA store or CompuServe, I'm forgetting the name of the store. There used to be stores selling software and machines and everything, they're all gone. Now, um, I went there and picked up um, a CD of Delphi. Delphi was just similar thing to um, uh, Visual Basic RAD. We used to call it Rapid Application Development Tooling, right? Um, so I picked up the Delphi, which was based on Pascal language. Um, and I knew that Pascal is faster in string processing, right? And so I brought that in, Built a DL- I also knew that I can plug in a DLL into, into our application, so written in a different language, so I can mix the two languages, if you will. Um, some parts are in this, this language, others are in that, that language. So I built that DLL for string parsing and plugged it in, just on my own, without even these people knowing. I'm, I started. I was experimenting, right? And the, the string processing was, you know, 80 to 100 times faster, much, much faster. Um, and we were able to benchmark that. And then when I showed it to at engineers, they said, "Wow, you did that!" I, because I didn't have that much confidence, to be honest with you, in the beginning, that maybe this line is not for me. You know, I was passionate, passionate about economics and all that stuff. But when this started saying, oh wow, you did that. We never thought about that, blah blah blah. And that gave me <laughs> the morale boost. And I said, well, yeah, I I, I can do I, I, utilize at some point in your life that you can do anything what you want to do. And then I found the software was the thing, the tools with what with that I can do anything I want to do. Uh, I create my own on my own, and uh, um, that's what put me on into this line of business.
0: So what is your deep understanding about coding?
1: Uh, coding is um, a, a tool for creation, like creating stuff, right? Creating systems. It's like a um, paint for a painter, or paint and paintbrush, and we have uh, machines and, and IDEs um, and. You know, frameworks to write code in. So it's uh, it's totally like the frames a painter paints on almost, <laughs> so that's why I see it. Um, it's a beautiful thing and I, I usually tell kids in, in co- schools and colleges that whenever I get a chance to talk to them, uh, and I, I do that more often now, that everybody should learn coding, not because they want to be a coder, um, they have to, to have coding career. But coding teaches you how to think differently, think like systems think, or or um, it helps you appreciate the systems thinking if you will, and and that helps you solve all kind of problems in healthcare, in supply chain management, in politics, in other parts of life.
0: So yesterday I, I asked you a question. Uh, I want to repeat that question again. So. Uh, Machine is emotional logic. I mean, software.
1: Machine is what? I'm sorry. Repeat that again.
0: So software is a is a emotion or a logic.
1: Or oh, is software uh, emotional logic? Uh, actually, I, I think it's both. <laughs> um, again, we recorded some part of it yesterday, but because of the dogs, we we cancel it. Um, yeah, it's both. In um, uh, on that note, I I follow a bunch of, um, not bunch out there, but there are a few uh, software philosophers, if you will, right? Grady Booch, um, Martin Follower, uh, Uncle Bob. Those are the three names coming to my mind right now if your listeners want to uh, Google them and find out. And just look at them uh, on YouTube, their lectures and all that. They will talk about... Uh, software like uh, it's poetry uh, or uh, it has emotions, um, systems or um, manifestation of, uh, actually I just tweeted that last night. Whatever we do, algorithms are manifestation of our human feelings in many ways. Whatever we wanna do, we put that in code, right? Um, Code helps us talk to machines and machines help us do, Perform things in real life, fly planes, and drive cars, and whatnot. Uh, and yeah, it's um, it's both.
0: So yeah. So I also asked about AI. So something. So can we can we able to create a human being in AI? Yeah, I, I think we're we're.
1: Sometimes I feel like this, that we are as away from the AI or general AI or artificial general AI, AGI, uh, as we were 20 years back or as you were 30 years back. This gap is always there. in, in many times I sort of um, rebuttal this point with others who are very enthusiastic about AI and they think it's going to change everything and, and it'll mimic the human brain. I kind of debate with them that, no, it, it won't, at least for the next 30, 40 years, maybe at some point it will. But I, I also read a lot about brain whenever I can, the research going into it, like trillions of synapses billions of neurons in our brain and how they interact and how the how the networks become active and then they diffuse and they go away um based on our thoughts and what we have learned yesterday and how we um if you think about it most of the data science right now is like okay all the data we are collecting machines are about remembering things like from data right that's what data is. Like, you know what happened yesterday, last week or whatever, right? Or you can extrapolate what will happen in the future. But human brain is very good at forgetting some things and but remembering others. I mean, that's how memory works. Um, I What did I eat five days back at lunch? I don't remember it. So it just unremembers a lot of stuff and it just picks up the important things. And that kind of contextual learning, and it, it is not there in machines. Uh, our human brain can build um, through sort of systems in construct systems in like 11 dimensions. Um, people have proved it or scientists have told us that we can think in 11 different dimensions at the same time about a problem uh, or, or, or create a model around that in our thinking, if you will, but machines can only think zeros and ones, which is two sides, if you will, or two dimensions. So we we play with two dimensions so fast that it can, it looks like it's magical that it can do think a lot, but it can't at, at a point it's zero or one. And um, maybe with the um, advent of um, um, better algorithms and better coding, uh, mechanisms um, in uh, quantum computing, we might be able to sort of be cl- closer to, you know, the state of not zeros and ones, but in state in between those two states as well. That's what quantum does. But I think we're, we're far away from it. And, and another th- argument I usually use to sort of have that model is that uh, it's, yes, machines are improving, but human brain is improving as well. Um, if you go thousand years back, uh, normal people on the street could not do basic math. You know, five what's five times five? They would not even know what that is. Or complex math. Or now we 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 can comprehend a lot more as, as humans. Um, different concepts, different mechanisms. Or uh, to sort of uh, eye to Hand-to-eye coordination is much better. The people who play games a lot, they, they can do this quickly. People couldn't do that early on, right? So human brain is improving as well. It's not just machines are improving. So um, I I think uh, AI is a good mechanism for going into the next level of automation. Uh, the machine learning part of AI is is... Automation of coding, if you will, like what people who used to write code to put brains into the machines. That's machines are dumb by on their own. When you get a PC, it's, it's dumb, and you install operating system. It does. It can do few things, but then you write software. You get software from somebody else, or you write that yourself, and then you're putting brains into machine, if you will. Um, and by the way, many times, like I'm from a small village, and all my family members were not not. Uh, computer literate and they will not know what i do and they'll say oh you drive computer i said yes i drive computer and they, it's like car right uh yeah um oh so the graduate say oh do you use computer a lot people use in the bank um so yeah i'll say yeah but i i don't i i, I don't operate computers i i put brain and then i said i put brains in computers and it's like oh you're full of yourself, <laughs> right? You're bragging, but that's what it is. Programming is putting brains in the system, right? So, in AI, ML stuff is by watching things, computer having cameras now, eyes, um, by watching things and or by looking at existing data, um, it can program itself. That's what it is, uh, but, um, it can hold, only handle fixed number of permutation combinations, right? Um, it, it will not know when a new context gets injected into the system, right? What we call features in, in data science, um, machine learning, like there are features, that's which column has what kind of weightage, if you will, when you're doing analysis. Uh, I, I usually say this, that a system is as smart as, um, the number of variables it can take into account while making a decision. So more number of variables a system can take into account while making a decision, smarter system it is. And data science today, it starts choking after few number of variables if you inject into a model, that, that your accuracy goes down big time. And that, I think we were, we're trying to do the nested, Sort of machine learning models now, but it's still very primitive. We may get close to, you know, what how humans think and think and all that stuff at some point, um, but it, it will take decades. But having said that, there are things machines can do much better than humans, right? Uh, uh, because they're fixed in in behavior. Behavior patterns, right? So flying a plane, like uh, planes fly on autopilot, more than maybe 90% of the time, people are not flying the plane, machine is flying in. The cars will be the same way, like right now they are not, but soon enough, in a few years, the cars will be operated by the machines and the people will just sit in it most of the time. Um, so so machines have a lot more utility or value to provide going forward. And, offload that work from humans. And it's natural progression actually. Um, When people talk about the jobs going away and all that stuff, I I usually say that like, um, you know, I I wonder what people thought when somebody invented wheel or a lever way back, you know, during Stone Age almost. Uh, So my God, this wheel is going to take our jobs away. People who move stuff on their back, now they can move on a wheel, right? Uh, so, or they when somebody invented fire, they must be scared of fire, like oh my god, this is going to kill us. But we we technology is such a thing we can't stop it. We have to we have to accept it, and we can regulate it through the laws and all that. But we can't stop it. Technology like fashion, you can never stop fashion. You're never done with it. We're never done with technology. That's all I think. Um, with that I think yeah, as I told you I have eleven o'clock and we are t- two minutes away. um, any last questions you have? Last yeah. Question? Yeah, yeah,
0: my last question is uh you know can we as, as a software engineer do you think that we are able to create a software which connects and which which will be useful for other species on this planet? uh
1: come again, please, you have to repeat the question, sorry, you can very uh, cut from the other thing. I-
0: as a a software engineer do you think that uh, we we as a human beings can able to create software with which which is useful for other species on this planet
1: oh yeah definitely we are um, already creating software for uh, sort of marine world and um, and for other animals and uh, tracking dogs with putting, you know, these these um, IoT tags on them so we can find them quickly. So for other species on on this planet, yeah, we can and we should. And um, unfortunately, the way our systems are constructed, going back to economics, um, is that most of the market behavior is driven by the incentives. So if the market is big enough. People will invest in it and then you will get technology in that domain and sometimes you, th- you might think like hey, there, there are a lot of disabled people in the world why can't we create these technologies for them it's sad that that these companies see them as a market and it's not that big enough market and they don't invest much money in it uh, even though the technology is there but there are not enough customers for them so yeah we can we should Um, help other species. And I think uh, that's a good question. By the way, you're doing great. Actually, I watched some of your interviews and uh, you think pretty deep. And um, uh, we had that dialogue yesterday uh, before we started recording yesterday, which uh, we didn't use. Um, Keep doing the great work and um, uh, keep focused on what you're doing. I like what you're doing. Thank you.
0: Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission?
1: Yeah, sure, you can. Yes, definitely.
0: And also, can I put this video on, keep on my podcast website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission?
1: Yes, you can. But, but tell me where you're, where you're putting it. So yeah. just run it by me after you produce it. So you can do that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time.
1: Thanks, I.